Welcome to the Azure Podcast, a weekly podcast to keep you up to date on what's new on our cloud platform, Microsoft Azure. Your hosts, Cynthia Crane, Evan Basilic, Suji DeMello, Kenno Roden, Kel Teeter, and Russell Young discuss a different service or solution on each show with subject matter experts to explain how to get started, how different services work, and how to make decisions in tricky scenarios. You can find out more about our podcast at azpodcast.com or follow us on Twitter at Azure Podcast. Hi, and welcome to the Azure Podcast. This is episode 445, being recorded on November the 2nd, 2022. I'm Russell Young, and I'm joined by Cynthia and Sujit Demille, and our special guests, Pankaj Mesharam and Matt Ely. Um, we'll kick off first off with a couple of updates from Azure as, as normal. Um, over to you, Cynthia, if you've got a couple to, to take us through there. Sure. I have one that I thought was really, really interesting. It's around our improvements on efficiency in our Microsoft data centers. There's actually data sheets across a number of different countries and regions, and this is really um, targeting towards our goal to become carbon negative by 2030. And there's also a number of other goals that I learned about, like different scopes of missions very recently. There's scope one, two, and three. This is, if you're interested, this is something definitely to look into. I, I think it's really cool how they're kind of categorized. Um, we also, throughout these report, you'll find out about how we are efficient and how we're increasing our use of P-U-E as well as W-U-E, I believe, one is um, around how efficient we're using our power, the closer power usage, as well as water usage effectiveness. And these are metrics that we continue to track. And there's also another um, initiative around that is called the circular centers, which are usually built really close to our existing data centers. And when we have equipment that needs to be decommissioned, then it moves to the circular centers. And we look at what are parts we continue to reuse and what are parts that we need to recycle and really... Um, getting towards the circular economy that we're really not creating a lot of waste. Yeah, it's amazing how much we're doing in that area. Actually, we did discuss the PUE thing a little bit in last episode when we were talking about the um, Mark Rosinovich session. So if you missed that, it's worth catching up on. It was a really interesting discussion and um, covering some of that liquid cooling and stuff that's uh, being innovated in data centers as well. Yeah. you got another one there, Cynthia, about um, ACS. No? Yeah, well, there's one I spotted as well. So there was a thing about Azure communication services, and um, uh, we've got a general availability of the short code functionality now in, in SMS. So that service, the, the Azure communication services, for those that haven't come across it before, is a really great way of sending out um, and receiving and dealing with different communications mechanisms, and SMS is one of them. Um, so, uh, yeah, there's just a new addition of this short code functionality, which helps with um, some some scenarios around uh, authentication and, and some other bits and pieces. Sujit? Yep. Uh, so I have one on AKS, which, as you all know, is my favorite topic. Uh, AKS, typically, if you deploy it, uh, it uh, Microsoft will uh, deploy the nodes with an Ubuntu image if you're doing the Linux variant of AKS. And that's been the only option, you know, and you can't really change that or customize that image. But what they have just announced now is you have an option of switching to the Mariner image, which, as you know, is the underlying image that's used in a number of other Azure services today. It's a hardened uh, kernel 
yeah, Linux kernel that Microsoft has uh, put out in the open source, and it continues to drive most of our Azure services. And so now, if you if you want, you can swap the the, the Ubuntu image off the nodes and replace it with a Mariner image, which is uh, you know, I mean, from a security perspective, they're all hardened. It's just more lightweight. I think, you know, the, it's, it's just got the bare, bare minimum components on it. Uh, and of course, that means that the security uh, attack surface uh, is, is reduced, you know. So, so that's uh, an option for AKS, which I just happened to hear of earlier today. A customer of mine was thinking about it and I was like, okay, it's available now in public preview. So take a look at that if uh, AKS is what you use. Cool. A um, couple more that caught my eye. One was a, a public preview feature for Azure Maps, um, and this is the ability for you to describe in JSON the inside um, of, your, of your buildings and things like that. So that, I thought that was quite interesting. Um, that's part of the Azure Maps Creator functionality. Um, and the last one, which is kind of like an interesting segue onto our guest today, was the public preview of SAP S4 HANA events being made available on Azure Event Grid. So I don't know Matt and Pankaj if you if you know anything about that one, but um, it's exposing quite a lot of the internal events and things that uh, that SAP exposes I think through Event Grid for event driven functionality. You're nodding away. Is there anything you you can add to that one? Do you know about that feature? I, I guess Pankaj, you you've been using it or working on it. Um, so do you mean the one which we announced with the Teams connection with adaptive card-based loop components, uh, where we're exposing uh, the APIs uh, for Teams connections? Uh, effectively, what it means is uh, even uh, there's no context switching uh, for the end users, which is where, let's say, for example, um, if there is a, a CRM system that a particular user is using um, and uh, um, uh, or, or as they're having a sales call um, and they want to log the call and they want to schedule a meeting after that call, they don't need to switch a context from the SAP system. Uh, they can, in fact, schedule the same uh, with using this Teams APIs. Uh, uh, and that was one of the announcements uh, back then um, from, from Ignite as well. Cool. Okay. Yeah, it sounds like that's probably enabled by the same functionality. It's all part of the same scenario with with events flying all over the place. So, so thank you. And sorry to put you on the spot, but um, maybe you can introduce yourself and 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 then hand over to Matt to introduce himself and and start talking about uh, your SAP accelerator. Absolutely. So uh, Pankaj Meshram, I'm part of uh, Worldwide Customer Success Unit. Uh, in Microsoft, where uh, we look after the tech strategy across all the different workloads, so the core uh, Azure uh, uh, landing zones and the specialized workloads as well. Uh, as part of my role, I look after SAP on Azure as tech strategy lead for uh, for for the workload, um, and and my role is kind of divided into four pillars, where uh, we look into platform improvements, which are the signals coming from the customers. Uh, we look into tech intensity, which is effectively what the field is lacking in terms of uh, upcoming products and uh, services and where we could enable them so that they can have a better conversation with uh, all of the customers and effective conversation with the customers. Uh, and then we look into something which we call a uh, SAP landing zone accelerator. That is our solution engineering project. So. Um, uh, I'm sure, Russell, you know about the Azure landing zone piece, which is the core uh, best practice recommendations and automation for Azure landing zone. And then we have this workload specific landing zone on top of it, which is uh, SAP or AVS or HPC, AVD. 
so that's one of the things uh, that that I look after. And finally, into customer success, which is uh, global customers and escalations and any blockers that we could remove for the customers. What do you, Matt? Thanks very much. So, Matt Ely, I sit in the Global Partner Solutions team uh, covering SAP on Azure from a technical perspective. Primarily, my role is to work with uh, UK-based customers to help them bring as much value as they can to uh, to customers. Sorry, UK-based partners to help them bring as much value as they can to, to customers. Um, that could cover anything from uh, how to deploy and manage SAP systems effectively, which the landing zone accelerator and the automation framework re- really talks to through uh, how we work around the SAP system. So how we integrate it with data solutions or security solutions like Sentinel to get to get the most value out of it. I know, yeah. I know what Cynthia. I know what Cynthia is going to talk about. <laughs> landing zone like, accelerators is very close to her. <laughs> <laughs> so, Pankajay, I used to um, lead the APIM as well as the Absurd Landing Zone Accelerator. So I sit on like a parallel team to you before I left Microsoft. But question for Pankajay, I know um, the environment was one of the challenges with the SAP Landing Zone Accelerator, where it really requires a lot of resources. I'm curious from that aspect, when a customer or just anyone that wants to understand how that works, are there any constraints around the subscription they have to be able to fully experience what the Landing Zone Accelerator offers, or are there any intermediate steps before going full-blown deployment. And then also a question for Matt, I know when we built out the Landing Zone Accelerators, we had a specific type of customer in mind. I'm curious, for a partner, do they use these Landing Zone Accelerator differently or can they just take it out of the box and really work with their customers as well? Cool. Uh, so I noticed we have been mentioning about Landing Zone as a word, uh, but I'm sure our audience would be uh, extremely curious to understand what exactly is meant by landing zone, right? And one of the best examples that we often use to define this is, uh, you know, even before the houses are built in a in a society in in a, in a place, you need access to all the common sort of utilities, right? Power, gas, electricity, all the sort of common utilities, and this is what we are uh, referring to as Azure Core Landing Zone. So, which is Effectively, how do you define all the services when it comes to Azure Core Landing Zone? Uh, how does your network subscription looks like? How does your management looks like? How does your uh, identity and access management looks like? How does your security looks like? So what are these common components? So the, the definition of these components, the best practices, recommendation on these components, and the build of these components using um, automation is effectively your core Azure Landing Zone. That's what we are referring to. And then when we are building houses on top of it, then we are customizing the houses. Like you have a certain set of houses and they have certain names for certain houses based on all developers. So we have like SAP landing zone and we have AVS and HPC. Uh, so if you look at the overall picture of the landing zone, uh, if you can imagine three boxes, so the first box is your Azure core landing zone. This is where 50% of the best practices are coming in, which would be applicable to all everything. It would be applicable to all the kind of different resources that the customer is looking to migrate into Azure. 
right? And then about uh, 30% is based on the SAP specific considerations because SAP on Azure runs in a specific way. There are certain recommendations, VMs, uh, uh, recommendations on networking, recommendations on BCDR, recommendations on identity and access management. So what are these things that we have learned from our customer implementations over the years? So that is effectively the 30%. And then we also say 20% headroom on top of it, which is effectively because all the customer's landscape will be a little bit different. They will be using different third-party solutions. Some will, some will have bespoke solutions. Uh, and we want to give this room to plug in those kind of solutions into our overall landing zone solution. Thanks, Pankaj. Just to address the question of, of how partners can use the SAP landing zone accelerator, um, actually chiming in really well with what you were saying there about the, the proportion, which is is the same every time. We, we think that approximately 50% of the code base will be used in every single SAP on Azure deployment. Um, however, for the remaining 50%, um, partners can build their own IP really well because about 30% of that, so 30% overall, um, could be used in a repeatable way by a partner. Whereas you say that top 20% is going to be, um, is going to be, bespoke for each customer and, and SAP, each customer's usage of SAP can vary um, to quite a large extent. What that means is there's quite a high knowledge floor on using the landing zone accelerator. You need to do quite a lot of um, understanding and building out uh, b before it can be useful. So it probably isn't going to be useful or the, the target audience isn't really a, a basis architect that's um, deploying one or two SAP systems. It's much more likely to be useful for an organization that's going to deploy tens or hundreds of SAP systems over the course of a year, um, which is exactly where our, our partners that are, are moving SAP systems to Azure or spinning up or spinning down SAP systems on Azure on a regular basis for their customers, um, where their niche is. That's, that, that's really interesting, actually. So one of my questions for, for Pankaj is going to be, what, what's so special about the SAP part of the Learning Zone Accelerator? What value does it add and how much time does it save if it's something that you're only doing once every you know, so many years or, or what have you. But I guess, Matt, you, you've answered that from the partner and the re, um, repetition perspective. But isn't SAP just another workload that you can just deploy up into Azure? What 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 is the extra stuff that you're adding? What What's the complexity behind what what your what value you're bringing via the accelerator? Yeah, that's, a, that's an awesome question, Russell. So if you look at the SAP systems on any customer's landscape, right? Pick up any customer, you would usually find SAP in some of the biggest and largest corporations around the world using in, you know, uh, managing their business operations using various modules from the SAP software. Um, and then um, these SAP systems are always the most mission critical applications in a customer's landscape. You can think of them as, uh, as the crown jewels in a customer's landscape. And the migration and movement of this SAP systems is probably one of the most complex uh, tasks needs to be carefully planned. All the considerations and recommendations needs to be carefully adapted before uh, before moving the SAP systems. And, and just to give an example, right, um, if there is a customer who is um, um, looking for networking recommendations, uh, uh, they can go into a best practice recommendation, for example, uh, any customer who is having global operations, then what kind of architecture they should focus on, which would pertain to Azure vWAN sort of architecture. Um, think about accelerated networking enablement. Think about uh, right accelerator for uh, uh, for for the premium SSDs for the log of SAP HANA database, and these are very niche and specific recommendations that makes the workload successfully run on Azure, right? And that's why it is important that 
all these important and this is just an example we have a big list of recommendations when it comes to the critical design areas uh, but this is where it is helping our customers so you know even before even before uh, they think that uh, there's a huge amount of complexity here we go customer these are all the recommendations available these are the checklists available please have a look at it and we have an automation available as well which will help you to accelerate your project in terms of deployment so rather than deploying sap systems manually and having that man hours and project hours delaying the project here we are giving the accelerators that's why we call it as landing zone accelerator yeah thank you Question for both Matt and Pankaj, how does the experience for a brownfield customer or partner differ from a greenfield customer or partner? Uh, I, can, I can take that unless you want to talk about it, Matt. No, you go first. Okay. Um, so the way we have designed the landing zone accelerator is, uh, is something which is applicable to both greenfield and brownfield customers. And I'll give you a couple of examples. Uh, we were working on a POC with one of the customers where they already had the VNets in place, they had the subnets in place, they had the naming conventions in place, and then we were also able to modify our code, uh, reuse uh, uh, and remove all the default naming conventions and deployment, so effectively using ARM IDs and resource group IDs into our code, and then deploy resources into the specific uh, uh, customer subnet. So that's an example of Brownfield. Of course, Greenfield is much, much easier in this case because you can pick it up off the shelf and deploy. Yeah, no, I'd, I'd say that that covers it off. Bear in mind, there's various different ways to do Brownfield and, and um, some say where you create the system and then do a system copy to, to replicate the old one and, and move it across. That's going to be going to be less complicated. Um, it, again, speaks to exactly the, the customizable elements and each customer has a different history behind them and a different path ahead of them. And, and that, that's why you, you need that headroom to, to customize the accelerator on each and every use. Yeah, another important point around the same question, Cynthia, is um, if you look at the largest, some of the larger customers, uh, they have different projects going on, right? Uh, they just won't have any spe a one single uh, SAP landscape. They might have different SAP landscape, different projects all over the world. and depending on what kind of SLAs is required, RT or RPO requirements, the architecture differs. And that's why best practice recommendations are extremely important because we are telling them, we are giving them all the different uh, permutation and combinations. Let's say if you want to deploy an availability zone, think about X, Y, Z, think about these things. If you are using availability sets, think about these things. So that's what it's pertaining to when it comes to even brownfield uh, customers as well. You know, one of the uh, reasons why these uh, landing zone accelerators uh, help customers is to prevent them from shooting themselves in the foot, right, uh, when trying to deploy something. Uh, but at the same time, I can see over here that you've got a ton of customization that's possible, right, with, with all the various aspects. So I guess the question is, you know, can the customer still shoot themselves in the foot if, uh, if they go a little bit uh, wonky on, the, uh, on all of these customizations? Yeah. Um... So landing zone accelerator is obviously going to help to build, right, to help to accelerate the build of SAP systems. But then there are certain steps which are uh, which we call as post steps or operations, uh, or which once you have SAP system up and running. Um, specifically, when you look at the go live for SAP systems, there are multiple moving components. Right, you have the various sort of user acceptance testing, you have uh, stress testing, you have the load testing. Um, you have business acceptance testing, all these different things going on at the same place, right? So 
I think from project perspective, if all those things are carefully planned, I mean, we have seen so many successful go-lives. We have also seen places where we have learnings from uh, after the go-live and we have stabilized systems. So there is always this period of uh, uh, three to four weeks where we are uh, sort of hyper-carrying the SAP system and looking at it uh, and, and learning from it as well. Yeah, no, bear in mind, if, if you're automating 80% of it, that's uh, uh, you're five times, you've got five times less of an opportunity to to shoot yourself in the foot. Certainly, um, when we talk about doing this repeatedly at uh, either customers or partners, the fact that you, you customize it in advance and use it in the same way each time, you know the bits that you use in the same way each time are, are going to work consistently. Um, and then bear in mind that there's best practice in, embedded in embedded into this regardless with things like security and policy and that will put in the checks and balances that um, take away your ability to, to shoot yourself in the foot in certain areas unless you're trying really hard. So security I think is one of the things I kind of uh, don't take it for granted but I kind of assume that it's going to be built into these landing zones and that's part of why you have it is there you know to, to, to make sure you've got your your workloads well looked after and ring fence from a basic security perspective but is it are there any additional benefits that customers will get by migrating to Azure and using these accelerators, like maybe some monitoring that they wouldn't have before or anything like that? Any, any additional features that, that come almost for free as part of the platform? Yeah, I think Sujit mentioned a very important point, and uh, that's something which I always refer as configuration drift, right? When 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 customers are doing it manually or, or we are doing it manually, there's always a chance that uh, I might configure an SAP system differently than what Matt is configuring, depending on our own individual experiences. But when we are using the code, it's a consistent, repeatable, same outcome which you're going to get. And one of the good examples is, let's say, pacemaker clusters, right? There are so many settings when it comes to pacemaker clusters. Uh, and even within that, when you're looking at Red Hat Flare or Slash Flavor, then you have, again, different settings coming on that. But we have embedded all of those things based on our documentation that what we recommend. So all those settings are already part of our code, right? So that is avoiding all the configuration drift for the customers. Now that's the first phase. Going forward as a roadmap, what we are also looking is to see how we can help with the management and operations when it comes to running these systems on Azure. So we have a solution called Azure Monitor for SAP solutions, which is used for monitoring specifically SAP systems. How can we uh, provide that as a plug-in play after automation. So after build of SAP systems, how can we do it as a plug-in play solutions, as a turnkey solution, right? Uh, similarly, uh, uh, Matt mentioned about system copies. So we're also trying to look into that if uh, if there are certain aspects of system copies we can automate. Um, we also uh, mentioned about Azure Center for SAP solutions in the Ignite announcement, uh, which is effectively uh, giving you um, um, integrated experience of deployment through Azure Portal. That is another another important piece of the puzzle. And what it also does is helps to register these SAP systems on Azure. And then that helps us to provide the right kind of monitoring and management for all these SAP systems. What do we what do we get when we deploy a Azure Landing Zone Excel Landing Zone Accelerator for SAP? Like, is it infra? Is it code? Is it a combination of both? 
Yeah. So it's a, it's a combination of both. Um, if we look at the automation, the way it's built, it's two part. Uh, one is Terraform and the second piece is Ansible. Terraform is being used to deploy all the infrastructure components on Azure. So also your VNets, subnets, uh, um, disk, storage, pute, all the sort of components. And Ansible is being used to build the SAP systems on top of the VM. So you will install SAP system on the VM. That's exactly what Ansible is doing. So it's all doing configuration part of the SAP system. So build of SAP system on top of it. I think you may have inadvertently answered my question. I was going to ask, uh, you know, if it's possible to do like a dry run of these installations, but I'm guessing because they're using Terraform, that's that's easily possible. We are a Terraform plan or something like that, right? Because I'm imagining this this thing takes many hours to deploy, uh, right? Well, um, so what we are also doing as part of roadmap is uh, we have integrated this with Azure DevOps. So now you can, uh, if you have a, an organization within Azure DevOps, you can clone the repo, you can define your pipelines based on our documentation and everything is available publicly, step-by-step -step process, how you can define those pipelines. Uh, as, as long as, as you have access to um, SAP software, uh, which the customers will have, uh, they should be able to go and deploy SAP systems using those pipelines. And what this pipelines is going to do is effectively step-by-step -step process. So it's going to deploy a control plane. It's going to deploy your uh, uh, infrastructure resources. It's going to build the VMs for SAP and then install SAP system on top of the VMs. What, what I'm kind of seeing that's really interesting from this is I, I've always seen SAP as a kind of a a big black box that that you can move from one place to another and it and it sits there whether it's in azure or it's on-prem it's it's a big black box what what we're now seeing with the the event grid announcement that we saw this week and the stuff you mentioned from ignite as well the azure center for sap um and the devops integration is that we're kind of almost i don't know if we're reaching into sap and exposing bits of it but there's there's a two-way integration now that's that's happening with the platform is that is that happening with SAP and is SAP kind of be becoming more modular as a result as well? Or is it, or is it, are we just bending the technology to our will to try and get the most out of it with, um, from an Azure perspective? Yeah. Um, so if you look at SAP, um, there are a couple of layers, right? So what is the infrastructure layer, which is we are talking about the VMs and storage and compute. And that's for us, that's easy to automate because uh, that is something which is common across all the other workloads as well. It's the settings which are different for SAP, it's the configurations which are different for SAP, it's the security mechanism that might be different for SAP, right? And then when it comes to the application layer, which is where the users are accessing the application, then we are getting into conversation in terms of how do we expose some of the uh, APIs that could be utilized within Teams or other channels around it. So for example, Power Apps or, or, or Teams, uh, in that in that fashion. So that's again a different piece of work that our engineering team is focused on uh, and uh, working uh, uh, collaboratively with SAP. And it's certainly fair to say we've seen high level cooperation across the two companies for, for many years. Um, we had the Embrace program working between the two and, and um, I, I think great to see that that kind of collaboration in, in all sorts of areas and the, the fruits that it generates. Yeah, great. Okay, thank you. I mean, uh, yeah, amazing insight and the, the depth of knowledge you've got across SAP and, and Azure is amazing. And uh, yeah, thank you very much for answering our questions. Was there anything else you wanted to cover off before we call it a day today? Not from me. Thanks very much. Great to be on there. Yeah, pleasure. Pleasure to be here. Thank you. Thank you very much for coming on. Um, if that's that's yeah. all for the day, then we'll uh, we'll say goodbye. Thank you. Thank you. 
Thank you for listening to the show. If you have any thoughts, questions, or just want to connect, find us on Twitter at Azure Podcast. Background music has been taken from ccmixer.org under the Creative Commons license. We hope you'll tune in again soon to keep learning with us.